Okay, everyone, so here we go with the race debrief from yesterday's Cart for Life four-hour charity cart challenge that took place at Birmingham Wheels Grand Prix Karting, a circuit I've been to a few times within my racing career. Got the opportunity to drive with Rugby Cart Club, uh, put in Rugby Cart Club 3 with my cousin Andy Hodson and a couple of other guys that I've raced with before uh, when I've been racing with Andy, Jack Warren, and his dad, Rich. If you listen to any of my build-up to the race, you'll have known that the weather was my main concern. It's been particularly volatile here in Great Britain for the last three or four days. The sun's out, it's glorious, but you never know when those clouds are just going to roll over and wash away those rays of sunshine. The forecast was mixed heading into the weekend, and my estimate was that it may rain in qualifying, uh, we would get a dry start and a wet finish to the race. It didn't quite transpire like that, and uh, here's why. The reason is, when we signed on, uh, it took a very long amount of time for the organisers to get things underway. Um, sounds like a criticism. On the one hand, I'd like to criticise them for it, because it was a pain, boring as hell waiting around. On the other hand, you know, they're doing a good job. They're putting on this event for charity they're trying to make sure everyone's happy they're a laid-back bunch of guys that aren't taking things ultra seriously as to put people off so i could see a few frustrated faces i was just looking at what the clouds were doing that was the only thing that really had my vested interests qualifying got underway about an hour and a half delayed from the scheduled start time rich went out onto the track first, he'd never driven it before, so we decided for him and Jack to get the early track knowledge and for me, who had the most experience, to put the time in right at the end. Jack bettered Rich's time by two tenths of a second, putting us sixth on the leaderboard out of 16 teams. Not a bad start. About three minutes before the end of Jack's session, it started spitting with rain. I wasn't too concerned immediately, because the temperature was reasonably high. The track had been baking in the sun for most of the morning, so the track temperature would be high. And of course, you had all those carts going round, meaning that even if it rained a little bit, it's probably not going to affect things too much. However, that wasn't the case. As it started raining harder, Jack came in to finish his 15-minute qualifying session. By the time Andy had sat down, it was a proper downpour. My heart bled for Andy, really. He didn't know the track either. He was going to have to drive straight out towards the unknown. We were watching from inside uh, the penultimate corner. The novice drivers arriving backwards, having massive accidents straight into the tyre wall. Don't think anybody got hurt, but it was clearly a place for caution. I spotted Andy coming around the bend before. Distinctive helmet. He's got his own because he's fancy. And uh, just leant over the barrier, gave him the slowdown signal. A little bit like a Mexican wave, for those of you that haven't seen that. And uh, he was making his way around the course rather gingerly. I'm pleased to report that he was the fastest guy on the track in the wet. Totally amazing. His lines were on point. For those of you that don't know, when you race in the wet, you have to take a completely different line to the bottom you would take in the dry. And the reason for that is the dry line has all the rubber on it. So when it gets wet, that line's very, very slick. What you're better off doing is driving out where you wouldn't normally drive. The track surface is more abrasive there because it hasn't been used as much. There's grip, there's rubbish, there's little bits of things that get onto your tires and just give you a bit more grip when it's slick. And that's what you have to go and find. And that's exactly what he did. Enough to impress 
the organisers enough to come on the tannoy and say it's rugby cart three that is now the fastest cart on the circuit. By the end of Andy's session, the rain had started to ease off, although it was still coming down. I'd abandoned all hopes of setting a fast time, and I'd even said to Andy while it was still dry that because I was going to set a time, um, if I got caught in traffic or anything like that, I would just back out of it, find myself a gap, because I didn't need the practice, I just needed to do a time. That's out the window now, because I'm not going to have any grip. I'd taken a towel with me, preparing for rain, so I could clean the sole of my shoes before I got in the cart, which is uh, a rather nice service I get from my usual pit crew when I'm racing the Toyota. don't think anybody else at this race had seen that kind of thing before, so I got a few strange looks, but nevertheless made me feel a little more comfortable as I tagged Andy and got into the cart myself. Without any idea of what was going to happen, I head out onto the circuit. Drove out of the pits and onto the circuit, straight down the middle of the road towards turn one as I felt this had given me the best line for braking. Braked early, turned in, well, I tried to turn in, it reminded me immediately of just why I hate these kinds of carts in the wet. It's not so bad when you've got wet tyres, but when you haven't, like these cars didn't, it's a bit of an uphill struggle. It took me way too long to settle into any kind of groove whatsoever. I was sliding all over the place and I knew that there were several carts around me that were just doing way better than I was. But I'm out on the track, I may as well make use of this chance to uh, experience the conditions and who knew if it was going to be what in the race I might need this learning for later. The first thing I really got my head around was the lines through the hairpin, it was the easiest one to figure out instead of keeping it tight towards the inside you drive around the outside. I'd observed other people doing this anyway so it's a bit of a no-brainer to follow that pattern. The other areas of the track that I was really struggling on uh, were turn four, the chicane, and the penultimate corner. After a few laps, I started exploring little parts of the track where it was just a little bit dry for some reason. And once I figured out that I could put the cart over there, as soon as I was on that piece of track, turn the wheel sharply, the cart would turn into the corner now it's just a case of being as straight as you can when you put the power on. So if you put the power down where you've got any sort of steering angle on at all, the thing just slides and it's just not the fastest way. I was pleased that I'd finally managed to figure that out, but I knew that it would just take me way too long. So while I was driving around punishing myself, because let's face it, I'm a guy who's super hard on myself. I have high standards. I expect everyone to live up to them, but the person that I expect to meet them the most is myself. Sometimes feel that the friends and acquaintances that I have that feel I'm a little harsh on them don't quite understand what I put myself through. Uh, but there's a little perspective on my uh, sort of mindset and how I operate. Anyways, the good news was that the rain had stopped and although the track was still wet, it started drying out. The last few laps of my session, there was definitely a dry line appearing in a few parts and I started to get excited because I know that drying out, those are the conditions that I'm the best in. Two laps to go, there were several parts of the track that were actually dry. Hairpin was dry, right the run from the hairpin up to the penultimate corner, the last corner was very nearly dry uh, and crucially the turn before the back straight, which is turn four, that was dry enough with the amazing lines I was taking to get a pretty much a dry run down to the chicane. So the last couple of laps I did I knew were good, uh, came in with a bit of a 
sad face on and said, well, guys, that was difficult. I'm not sure I did very well. And they said, actually, you were the only one under a minute. You were in 59s. I mean, when I last looked at the leaderboard, they were doing one minute tens. I mean, yeah, it was wetter, but 11 seconds faster. Um, I was pretty pleased with that. Our qualifying time, of course, was a 51.4 set by Jack when it was still dry. That was the time we'd take into the grid and it was good enough for sixth position. The team had a discussion on how long we would drive for. We weren't sure whether to go for half hour stints or one hour. We knew one hour would be better because we'd make fewer stops. But at the same time, you've got the element of fatigue to deal with. These carts aren't the most comfortable. So although the physicality of driving them isn't the worst, but believe me, it ain't easy either, it was more the fact with, can we sit as cramped up as we are for that amount of time? In the end, we decided to go with a half hour signal and then a response from the driver, stay out or come in. The other crucial decision we made before the start of the race was who was going to start the race. Ultimately, that'd be me. The thing the guys said were, Gary, you've just come off the track, the conditions are changing all the time, you know what it's like right now, so you may as well go straight back out. I said, fair enough, except that there's going to be at least a half an hour before the start of the race, and by this time, the sun had come out full strength. We're actually roasting, having the discussion. I knew, right there, right then, the track would be pretty much dry for the start of the race, and I wasn't wrong. A few final words of encouragement, some fist pumps, some shaken hands, and I set off towards the pit lane. So now it's time to start the race. Driving out of the pit lane, we get one green flag lap to assess the circuit conditions. Smart move. I don't know if they were planning on doing this all along. In a way, I'd be surprised if they were. But in motorsport, it's quite common to get a green flag lap, even if you're not scheduled to have one, when there's changing conditions, because the drivers need to know what they're going to have underneath them, especially on the first lap where it's going to be random chaos and uh, all kinds of craziness. So I was quite impressed with that decision, and uh, I spent most of it exploring where the grip was, lighting up the rear end, going down the straight sideways, because I wanted as much temperature in my tyres as I could possibly afford, heavy braking into the corners, booting it out of them and uh, just throwing the car around and hustling as much as I could on my way to the grid. Parked up on the last corner, got shown to grid slot six, absolutely burnt out the rear tyres, making my way to the grid slot. And uh, I was getting ready for the starts, quite excited about this. Grid starts are something that I've been improving steadily throughout the course of my career. Believe me when I say I used to suck at them, because boy did I used to suck. That's not the case anymore though, so I was looking forward to making a good one. Red lights came on, Marshall checks out, foot on the throttle for the green light, and uh, we've got to do in a go-kart, get yourself off the seat and off the rear axle so it's not too loaded, doesn't bog down, and uh, I got away pretty well. Got through the first couple of corners, held position, avoided any incidents, very pleased with how I handled the start of the race. I was right about the track drying out, I mean it was just dry, so straight into normal attack mode. Unfortunately for me, I wasn't the only one in attack mode. I did get past uh, twice during the early stages of the races, but don't forget I am a hero, so I managed to pass both of them back. Uh, the guy in front of me who I was following for a little while 
uh, wearing Tony Cart overall, so he's quite experienced. Ranting and raving at just about anyone that gave him a little bit of aggro on the circuit. I mean, everyone says karting is non-contact, and of course that's the way it should be, but in carts like these, rubbing is racing. He was obviously clearly used to uh, MSA racing, where everybody's behaving themselves, or at least meant to be behaving themselves. So I think he was trying to get a bit of uh, sympathy from the marshals every time he got a hit, waving his arms all over the place. It was just like watching Sebastian Vettel in the Formula 1, if I'm honest. And uh, we got tangled up to the two of us behind another guy. Gave him a few little love taps. He didn't seem to appreciate that. But like I say, you just got to get on with it. No harm, no foul. In the end, he got caught up behind another guy trying to pass him. I got around them both. What a superstar. From that point on, it was just time to get my head down, put the laps in. After a little while, we started catching the back markers. So I knew I was running top five, top six, top seven carts. I wasn't sure exactly, but obviously I was part of the leading group. And uh, we started to catch the guys trailing at the back that were maybe not so experienced. And even if they were, they certainly weren't as fast as the rest of the pack. Uh, catching traffic always puts an interesting dynamic on things because it's about who handles the traffic, how cleanly you can pass them, and of course, how much time it costs you if you get stuck behind someone in the wrong place. On this circuit, the chicane was the wrong place. There's only one line to go through there if you want to go through there fast. More crucially, it puts you onto the big straight before the hairpin. So if you don't get it right and you're slow into that straight, you're dead meat all the way down to that hairpin, which, by coincidence, has the heaviest braking point on the track. So you're just wide open, vulnerable to manoeuvres if you don't carry your speed through there. If it looked like I was going to catch a slow cart through there, I'd just back out, make sure I, I got him right on his bumper on the exit of the chicane so I carried my speed through, then it was easy for me to make easy meat of him going into that hairpin. Overall, I was really pleased with how I handled the traffic. I drove smart, pulled clean moves, lost almost next to no time trying to get past anybody. And anybody that did get past me, like I said earlier in the race, I just passed them back. The good thing was that once I did that, they seemed to stay there. It was like putting them in their place. Like, well, I'm going to try and get past you and see what you do. And I'm like, well, motherfucker, I'm coming straight past because that position is mine. Things were going pretty well. But after about 25 minutes, I started to feel uncomfortable. It wasn't so much the physical effort of driving the cart. The problem I was experiencing was axle tramp through turns 4, 5 and 7. I'm not sure if it was an actual problem with the cart, like a bent axle, an imbalanced wheel, or simply the way the thing was loaded up with me inside it. But whenever I put the power on coming out of 4 and through 5, which is flat, I had a horrible, horrible bounce from the rear made it unbearable to drive, I was screaming on the helmet. I mean, the only time I ever felt like that was driving much faster, more powerful, harsher go-karts than what I was driving now, but it really was quite uncomfortable. I also got it going uh, into seven, like I said, braking actually uh, for that corner, and the first time I got that, I thought, oh, we've got a warp brake disc, but the fact it did it under power as well made me think it's either the axle or a wheel balance or it's just how it is, uh, you know, my weight in the cart bends it in a way that makes it do that. Um, I spoke to the other guys in the team afterwards and they didn't seem to experience it much, but either way, sure as hell I was experiencing it and uh, it forced me to adjust my line. I just couldn't take it. Doing one or two laps with that bouncing going on was simply unbearable. 
the good news was it wasn't affecting my speed. Once I'd adjust my lines, I could pretty much do the same time as I was before. Um, I was taking a different line into the chicane where rather than approaching from a wide angle, I was keeping it in the middle of the road. Things had enough grip. The tyres were pretty good, actually, better than I was expecting. And uh, I could throw it into the chicane from the middle of the road, still hit my apex and my braking point before flicking left and going on the power out of the chicane. Just figured out my adjusted lines, came upon some traffic, got through that rather nicely, overtook three carts in one manoeuvre that... It was one of those situations where I was coming up on them and I thought, these guys are going to make a mess of this corner being bunched together like they are. They did. I took advantage of it. Sayonara, see you later. And uh, it made me feel really good. So when the 30-minute board came out, I said, no, I'm staying out. I'm in the zone. I wouldn't have said it was much more than 10 minutes after that that I started to feel like I'd hit a brick wall with the steering wheel. I just couldn't turn it. This time it was the physical effort and the steering column had felt like it had set in concrete. I was a bit surprised about this because although karting isn't the most comfortable pursuit in the world, these aren't the fastest carts on earth. I should be able to deal with this. I'm fit. I'm used to doing much more strenuous, longer racing in the, in the Toyota. And I've driven much more extraneous things than this in the past. Faster carts, even formula cars with downforce. Either way, I started to feel pretty uncomfortable. Luckily for me, I saw Rich from our team. He'd taken a walk down to the hairpin to watch by himself. I thought to myself, if he's there next lap, I'm going to signal to him that I want to come into the pits. He was. I did. They stuck the pit board out. I did one more lap, pulled into the pits. Held, uh, handed over to Rich. He was the next guy in the cart. And uh, I even struggled to get out the thing. I think your muscles get so used to doing one thing for such an amount of time that when you try and use them in a different way, they just go, nope, not interested in that. At the time, I felt absolutely pathetic for it. But as I watched other carts start to come into the pits, their drivers all had the same problem, so I felt a little bit better. In the end, I'd driven about 45 minutes. I wasn't too disappointed with that, although I would have liked to have done the full hour, as it just would have made things more convenient for the team during the rest of the race. As it turned out, Andy and Jack were able to stretch their stints by a couple of minutes, and we lost time when we refuelled anyway. So, in the grand scheme of things, no harm, no foul. Rich put in a really good stint, maintained 7th place for us. Just as he was coming toward the end of it, it had started raining again. I thought it might do what it did before and get rather serious. Andy was next in the cart, and of course, he was the one that drove in the rain before, so in a way I wasn't worried. Rich clambered out of the cart with the same difficulty that I did, walked down the little alleyway from the pit lane to the paddock and collapsed on the fence and uh, gave him a pat on the back, congratulated him on a good stint and said, believe me, you're not the only person that feels that way. So Andy goes out in the cart and the rain I feared didn't really come. It rained very lightly for about two minutes, hardly changed the track conditions at all. I saw a couple of the novices getting sketchy through treacherous penultimate turn, but nothing to worry about, and the guys that were experienced had no trouble whatsoever. Andy was straight on the pace in the dry with a 50.0 out of the box. I thought, he's going to be just fine. And uh, talking to him afterwards, he said he just couldn't believe how much grip the cars had got. And it's true, at the end of the day, they were overgripped and underpowered, but that's kind of more fun than it being the other way around. There are plenty of people that would disagree with me and say it's more fun to have an overpowered, undertired car to drive. 
I can understand that, and that's true if you want to be a hooligan and have fun sliding around, but if you want to race, you need the thing underneath you. Either way, Andy was doing the business, and it wasn't long before he had to come in for the mandatory two-minute fuel stop. Back out on the track, he performed solidly. Afterwards, handing over to Jack, I talked to Andy about how the cart drove uh, and how he felt things went. What he said revealed to me the reason why I'd struggled so much driving the cart. He found that the seat was in fact adjustable and that it wasn't set in its furthest back setting. Now, most of the guys on our team, certainly myself, Andy and Rich, are six feet tall or more. So we really could have done with that from the start. I felt like such an idiot and I was pissed that we didn't try and figure that out before the start. I reckon I could have done my hour. I reckon it was the fact that I was so scrunched up in a driving position that I wasn't uncomfortable with that just made me sort of not be able to handle the thing for longer than I did. However, what's done is done. We're in a good position. I'd driven my stint anyway, so it's not like we can go back and do it again. The other good news was that Jack was in the cart, and he's really quick. In fact, he beat my best time by nearly eight-tenths of a second by the end of the race. Now, as I alluded to during my live broadcasts, he would have had the best track conditions, the lightest fuel load, and all the rest of it. But I don't want to rabbit on about that too much, because I sound like I'm making excuses that there's nobody's pride any good. Jack put in an absolute fire performance, taking us from eighth to fifth during his time in the car. Solidly running below 50 seconds, we knew we could rely on him to bring it home. And he did. Fifth was where we finished, and I was really pleased with that result. Seventh, I would have been bitterly disappointed with, because I knew we were better than that. Sixth, I think I'd have been kind of disappointed with sixth. Sixth was where we qualified, so if we finished there, we could say, well, at least we held position. But I knew we were quicker than that. We were quicker than sixth. Fifth, I think, was the right result for us, and it would have been a stretch to get it fourth or onto the podium. Talking of which... Rugby Cart Club 1, our supposedly best team, did get on the podium. They finished second, and in fact, they really should have won. But there was a bit of a strange issue where the leading cart broke down. They obviously passed him and went into the lead. And when the ex-leaders went back out on the track, they were sort of substituted back into the position they were before. I'm not sure I agree with this. On the one hand, it wasn't their fault the cart broke down, because the cart was supplied for them. But... I don't know, I just don't feel comfortable about that sort of thing. Misfortune is misfortune, racing is racing. You know, shit happens, I think people should deal with it. But anyway, my opinions aren't going to change a thing. The good news was, Rugby 1 finished second, Rugby 3, that was us, we finished fifth, and we beat Rugby 2, who was sixth behind us. Overall, I was really pleased with the way that I drove. Um, I was on the 49 straight away. Lap times were as good as any others on the circuit, the guy said, gave me some good feedback. The only real guy that was uh, streaks ahead was the Aquila driver. Um, he was part of the winning team. He did a lot of driving, actually. I, I'm sure if his time was distributed more evenly, uh, their cart wouldn't have been so far in front. But I'm not one of those who believes in uh, equal driver time. I think the team should sort it out for themselves. If one guy wants to drive three and a half hours and the rest of the four of them split it up, <laughs> into 10 minute segments that's fine by me you do whatever you gotta do um but anyway i was pleased with how i did i was on the pace 
Jack was on the... Everyone was on the pace, you know? To say Jack and Andy was on the pace as well, sounds like I'm singling out Richard was not. That wasn't the case. Okay, he wasn't quite as fast as the rest of us, but he was still on the pace. He stood in 50s. Overall, really enjoyed it. Great experience with the guys. Final part of my race debrief regarding the Cart for Life challenge that I took part in this Sunday. I've already said overall it was a good experience. Would I do it again? Well... I certainly consider it again, and the only reason that there's a shimmer of doubt is just the physicality of it. I don't know if I'm cut for that. I know already, I'm prepared to acknowledge, I'm not as good as a go-kart racer as I am a driver. I just like to sit there and drive. I don't like to have to move my body around or do things like that, that you have to do in a car, quite frankly. It's a much more physical thing than it is driving a car and uh, almost in the same way that motorcycle racing is, you know, you need to move your body around, you need to brake yourself in the seat, you need to be prepared for all the shocks and bumps uh, that you get directly through the cart into your backside, because of course, even when race cars are as stiff as they are, they still have compliance. Now, I'm sure all of that makes me sound like a big wuss. I'm sure my friend Paul is listening right now. He said that I was. He races uh, 125cc shifter carts that will tear your head off, certainly will tear my head off. Um, he's much more used to those kinds of punishment. But if I got the chance, would I really decline it for those reasons? I don't know if I could. It's a good bunch of guys, I had a good time. Maybe I'll convince myself that I'll do a lot better with the seat adjusted next time. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll be saving every part of this race debrief to my episodes as a podcast. If you enjoyed hearing that, Stick around for more stuff from me. Check out my other saved episodes. And if you're interested in seeing any pictures from the event, there are a few on Instagram. It's Gary Skip Racing. My story is probably has expired by now, but there were one or two stills. One of me and the guys and a couple of arty shots of the setting sun over the Birmingham city skyline. Thanks for listening. Signing off. <laughs>